When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, two people fighting, force against force. Who will win, Aaron or Danae? It's Sif Pop. Oh, what? Oh, what? I will take you down. Wait, am I Superman or am I Batman? You tell me. Does that mean that our guest guru today is Lex? Because <laughs> that's uncomfortable. That is uncomfortable. <laughs> it's very to, uncomfortable. <laughs> welcome to Sif Pop with Aaron and today, streaming live on Mixler every Friday at noon central or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. What? Every week we'll be joined by a pop culture guru to chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. Our guru today... Is Steve Baxi. Round of applause. Woo! Round of applause. Ow, ow, ow. I gotta be honest, Steve. Uh, I am really excited that you're joining us for Batman versus Superman. I love the insight you have, the deeper insight you have into like these comic book characters and that kind of stuff. So uh, it'll be nice to have someone who can, you know, possibly answer our questions if there's things we don't know about, you know, I am little confused. inside jokes or things we're confused about. Yeah. Although we do want to make yeah, sure, sure we mention we're not going to do spoilers for the movie. We do have a spoiler cast, and that'll be straight to the Sif Pop podcast feed, where I am surely going to be spoiling a lot because I have questions specifically about the plot of this movie. But we'll get to that later. And I, too, Steve, just for the record, I'm so glad you're here. Absolutely. Um, Thanks for having me, guys. This is going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. I, I really kind of want to get right to it because there's so much to talk about in this movie. Uh, but before we do that, do we care? Danae has some pop culture headlines for us that she will read. Steve and I will then decide if we care enough to find out anything else about it. All right. First title of this is from citylab.com. says, interactive map that reveal what cities sound like. Interesting. And then the subtitle is, researchers use photos from social media to map out the sounds that dominate a city. Do we care? Uh, yeah, I care. That sounds like an I interesting care. use of technology. Yeah, I care. That that could make for some really interesting aesthetic studies. So I think this is interesting, too. And there's a lot of, uh, again, this is on citylab.com where this was found. Um, it's a colorful map that reveals what cities sound like. Uh, so the information says a lot about how people perceive your city or neighborhood. And scientists are going to be using this data for more research to put together a series of maps called chatty maps. <laughs> so by analyzing <laughs> tags on thousands of the public photos, these researchers have mapped out the sound profile of streets in 12 cities so far, including London, New York, Madrid, Boston, Washington. And uh, they'll mark them in different colors associated with a dominant sound. Now, that's interesting. When you said chatty maps, chatty which maps. is just a great phrase uh, all around. It made me think of the, the what are they called, word uh, maps or whatever they're called, where like the words that are mentioned the most are the biggest and the words that are mentioned the least are the smallest, like, and they have them all together. Oh, uh, 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 tag clouds. Yeah, word clouds. Word or, clouds. Yeah, yeah, that mm-hmm. kind of thing is immediately what I thought of, but it'd be interesting to kind of view what cities sound like. Yeah, so I went to chattymaps.com uh, and it sent me kind of, maybe they're like still working it out because uh, I'm kind of confused. Now I'm on goodcitylife.org. Why? I have no idea. <laughs> but there's several colors. Uh, there's transportation sounds, nature sounds, human sounds. Okay. Which, that's an interesting one. Music and building sounds. And then based on what you're seeing on the on this map by color coordination, you know where human sounds are more prevalent or more nature sounds are more prevalent. I'm guessing going to be in the park areas. Hey, just today, an assumption. Today I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. What would what are you, what color are your sounds? Wow, 
What do you mean by that? Well, you you know you have human sounds. Yeah. What? How would you map them? What What would they look like? What like the dynamics would, of a human yeah. sound range? Yeah, yeah. What What color are your sounds? I'm gonna go with neon. Nice. Anything in the neon <laughs> spectrum. That's right. Or ultraviolet. <laughs> Or ultra, ultra, ultraviolet, which you technically can't see unless you're one of those mantis shrimp. That's right. That's it. That's my sounds. They're only visible from from mantis shrimp. <laughs> Those are the only ones that can see my sounds. Yep. And we're all thankful. Yeah. Uh, all right. What's next? Next is from Business Insider. Title says, Netflix admits it lowers quality of mobile video on Verizon and AT&T. Ooh. Do we care? Yeah. Yep. This is this is interesting. So they they were pushed to admitting that they actually do lower quality. Now is it just on mobile? Yeah, it's it's in order to quote protect consumers from exceeding mobile data caps. Uh, but it's been lowering the quality of video streams on AT and T and Verizon for over five years now. Well, what? But why do why do they care about my mobile cap? Why why don't they trust me to take care of my own you know data limit? That seems really like nanny state, you know, kind of stuff, you know? Do you think that's just their cover story? Uh, why uh, you think it's because they don't want to use the bandwidth and pay for it? Maybe. I don't know. What do you think, Steve? I don't know. It's it's kind of strange. You you would figure that maybe Verizon would do that to Netflix. It doesn't seem like they would give Netflix an advantage to do it to Verizon. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Like, there, was a, there was a different discussion about this a few years back when uh, Comcast would lower the um, the speed of your internet if you were using Netflix in order to make Netflix and uh, make Netflix lose business. And that makes perfect sense to me. This doesn't. I love the chatter in the chat right now. Those of us who have, uh, you know, those mobile carriers are like, what? And then, then <laughs> there's some that are like, that's why I have T-Mobile. Uh, because if you're right, it does not throttle T-Mobile or Sprint. And it said that this was because, quote, historically, those two companies have had more customer-friendly policies. Whoa. Interesting. interesting. So, but they're not available for comment. They're not really commenting too much more on it. I'm sure more will come out about that, but that is interesting. Yeah, I think it's, you know, that's where the public outcry kind of comes in. And if people are against it, then they'll do something about it. For me, I mean, it becomes a big deal because oftentimes I will watch on my mobile device and I am Verizon, but then I'll Chromecast it, you know, to my TV. So oh, if they're interesting. like yeah. if if they're if they're taking the quality down on my mobile device, you may not notice because it's such a small screen and it's mm -hmm. compressed anyway. But you throw that up on my big screen TV, then I'm going to be noticing a difference. So, Whoa. so that might change you wanting to actually stream it from your laptop, right? I'm going to Chromecast it from my laptop, which I can do, but it's more annoying. Hmm. So it's, yeah, it kind of destroys the convenience of the cell phone. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's that's kind of frustrating. And last article for our Do We Care segment, and then we'll get right into our movie review for Batman versus Superman is, or I'm sorry, Batman v Superman. Thank you. Get uh -huh. that correct. Uh -huh. Dawn of Justice. Here's the title of this one. This is from EW.com. Wonder Woman is coming to Supergirl soon. Gun, Do gun, we care? Gun. You know, we'll talk about this a little bit more even later when we start talking because uh, we're also going to talk about superhero television shows uh, on this episode after we talk about Batman v Superman. Um, but yeah, I do care about this. I, I actually think it's really interesting how these comic book companies are integrating their properties uh, amongst their television properties. And I think that some of the choices they're making, both Marvel and DC, uh, they seem to have different philosophies on some of those choices. And I think it'll be interesting to see how the audience reacts. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. It's going to be really interesting, especially when you look at when we get to the movie review, the tone of this movie versus the tone of the, of the DC TV shows. Right, exactly. Um, and then the, the weird consistency between the Marvel stuff. Um, it's it's really different on DC's end of the spectrum. And um, Supergirl on its own is a very different show than even Arrow and Flash. Yeah, yeah it is. I, I don't care. So, <laughs> however, however, it's it's out. You know, I'm out done here, two to one. So, Wonder Woman may be coming to Supergirl, but however, Supergirl has not been renewed for its second season. So, that's, oh, that's kind of the well. dot dot dot. You know, do they say whether do they say whether they mean you know Wonder Woman as in played by the same actress who played her in the movie, or mm -hmm. do they mean you know Wonder Woman as a new uh, actress, Linda Carter? Linda Carter is playing it. Is doing it. So is she actually playing Wonder Woman, or is she just playing a different character? Following a screening of the upcoming The Flash Supergirl crossover, executive producer Andrew Kreisberg and Greg Berlanti revealed that they have plans to bring Linda Carter to the CBS Super Series. 
We have the perfect role for Linda Carter. They're quoted as saying uh, uh, next year for Wonder Woman. We couldn't work out her schedule next w- year. Wait a second. So it's not saying the Wonder Woman character is coming to the show. It's saying they're looking at putting Linda Carter, who used to play Wonder Woman, in the oh. show. That's sneaky clickbait. Okay, so we just found a <laughs> clickbait article for Do We Care, and now we don't. We just don't care. <laughs> it's still an interesting discussion. I look forward to, to kind of continuing it uh, a little bit later on. But for now, let's talk about Batman v Superman. Here's a clip. And now you will fly to him and you will battle him to the death. Black and blue, fight night. The greatest gladiator match in the history of the world. God versus man. Day versus night. Son of Krypton versus Bat of Gotham. No, he's not talking about Danae and I finally going to fisticuffs. He's talking about Batman (laughs) and Superman in theaters together in that that clip to me really sums up the gigantic promise that is made when you put you know a movie out titled batman v superman and also probably the difficulty in living up to that promise but let's start with our initial quick thoughts did you like it love it it was okay dislike it or hated it danae why don't you go first uh, i was worried going in i still have concerns but i think i think i was okay with it so you're in the it was okay. Kind it was of okay, range. yeah. Okay. And there, but there are parts of it that I liked and parts of it I hated. So that's why I think where it evens itself out to yeah, okay. absolutely. What do you think, Steve? Uh, I thought it was absolutely atrocious. Oh no! Go Here with we go. hated it. Uh, yes, definitely hated it. I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna split the difference and go with disliked it. Um, so we're all in that more dark spectrum. <laughs> slightly disliked it. I almost joined you in the it was okay uh, range. There are certainly things. I do like about this movie uh, that I do want to eventually talk about. But since we kind of seem to have a negative view of it overall, and Steve, you seem the strongest, tell us a little bit, you know, kind of in summary about why you didn't like Batman versus Superman. Well, I think the best way to summarize this is that it is a quintessential Zack Snyder film, which basically just amounts to its action with a story to try and get us to more action. Yeah. Um, there's very little in ways of story here. Everything is just one big contrivance. The big promise of Batman versus Superman doesn't really deliver. Batman and Superman don't really fight. It's just one big contrivance where they're just put in a situation where their fighting makes no sense, and it's not an actual ideological battle at all. It's not Batman versus Superman. It's manipulated puppet versus manipulated puppet. Um, it's not. It's not interesting, and part of the problem is that these are not characters. These are not anything resembling characters. They're just very vague personalities that have very wooden scenes with each other. And the film thinks it's being reflective about some of that stuff, but it's it's really not. We get into Batman's head more than anyone, but Batman in this movie is a psychopath. Um, there's just no other way to put it. He... Zack Snyder talks about how this Batman is more manslaughter than murder. No, that's not true. He is an outright murderer in this movie. It's psychotic. Yeah, uh, I agree with a lot of that. I can hear your trembling anger. (laughs) It's fantastic. (laughs) Uh, I agree with a lot of that. And I think where, you know... (laughs) I love in the chat, wait, this is a Muppet movie? (laughs) Kind of, (laughs) yeah. I think you're absolutely right about character uh, motivations and plot contrivances uh, especially. And when we talk about the stuff that I like, I think where I, you know, why I have some stuff I like about this movie is because I do like the visual spectacle, you know, the visual spectacle of it. Uh, And so even though Zack Snyder has a very low sense of how to tell a story, he does have a very keen sense of how to put cool stuff on the screen. And so it's that constant battle for me of going, oh, that's fun to look at. Oh, this score is really, you know, nice. And, but why do I care about these people or what they're doing or... You know, mm-hmm. and, and like you said, you know, the whole war between Batman versus Superman just doesn't there's nothing compelling about it. There's nothing that's really interesting about thinking about it. So for me, this movie was like being handed a really cool puzzle, like piece at a time, because I'm trying to figure out like what's going to happen. And, you know, you're looking at the puzzle box cover to try to figure out how it's going to all fit together. And you got this piece and you put it down. You got this other piece, you put it down. And by the end of the movie, there's all these pieces that are technically making something that's kind of like the cover. And yeah, you can see the similarities, but it doesn't actually fit. Like it was sort of poorly made 
to put together as a whole. Mm-hmm. Like there's like gaps in between the puzzle piece parts and you really see more flaws the further you step out and look at the big picture. But when you are just putting it together one piece at a time or one scene at a time or one moment at a time, it was kind of like, am I having a good time? I think I am. Oh, wait, no, wait. No, no, I'm, no I, I like this one. Oh, that's one <laughs> part of this one scene I really loved, you know? So, but you would never put Mod Podge on that puzzle and then put it on a frame and stick it on your wall. Like, it's not something that's going to last. It's not something that you're going to be like, yeah, this was a great experience. It's more like, okay, all right, well, I completed that. Moving yeah. on, you know? Yeah, it just doesn't seem like there's anything overall that you end up rooting for you know what are why am i invested in this because it's batman and superman <laughs> man <laughs> and if that does it for you maybe you'll have a great time i don't know but for me i just i needed i needed more substance there it just seemed overall it was you know uh too much butter not enough bread and we are being a bit general right now because we don't want to give very big you know spoilers away for you we'll kind of go into more uh, of that here a little bit later on so do we want to go over like best thing worst thing yeah, we can talk about, you know, uh, the things. Again, let's start with the stuff that, you know, we really didn't like didn't about like. it and get, you know, kind of get specific. I will start. Maybe we can talk about performances a little bit. I'll start with uh, Jesse Eisenberg, who I thought. Oh, was that Lex? Yeah, Lex Luthor. Yeah, yeah Lex okay. Luthor, who I thought was either woefully miscast or just made some really poor decisions in his portrayal of this over the top, you know, Lex Luthor. Because I just. I went in and out of it, uh, but mostly just did not buy it. I'm curious to know, did you guys buy his performance? Not even a little. Um, There's an interview that came out earlier today that said Jesse Eisenberg was originally considered for Riddler, which makes a little bit more sense because he's playing Jim Carrey here. Yeah, Yeah. basically. Yep. Um, It's really a shame. I I didn't like his performance very much at all, but I I don't think it's because Jesse Eisenberg's at fault. I think this all just comes back to Zack Snyder, where I love um, Henry Cavill as an actor. I like Jesse Eisenberg and stuff like American Ultra. He's not, none of these actors are being themselves there. It very much feels like someone artificially forced them to behave in certain ways. Mm. Like it doesn't feel like an organic performance. Yeah, I totally agree. I was in and out. There There was moments I was like, I like that he has an ability to just like, to me, it was clear that when things weren't going his way, he just kind of kept going deeper and deeper into this kind of crazy mode and not knowing a lot about his backstory and who he is in in the comics, because I'm not a comic person. um, I definitely was getting that understanding that he just, when things don't go his way, he turns into a crazy person. But I was pulled out of his performance a couple times because it did seem a little Riddler, a little Joker, and a little uh, Rumpelstiltskin from Once Upon a Time ABC. <laughs> you know, just, there was a couple moments Such a where, great comparison. where I was like, oh, but you know what? Maybe when you're playing kind of a crazy person, you make these <laughs> noises a lot. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, yeah, that that kind of sounded like a horse. Maybe that wasn't quite no, that's right. That's fine. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, I, I think his, his twitches and his tics. Uh, just they felt forced they felt fake to me I just there was something about his overall performance I'm just like no you're a guy standing on a set you know trying to huh. to do a performance rather than buying into oh you're a real character or a real person in this universe yeah I, I agree with you what was one of the things that you uh, want to kind of hone in on that you really did not like Steve um well, I guess I'll go ahead and because I'm a big Batman fan, I love—he's my favorite comic book character. I think Batman's probably the worst part about this movie, um, and it's the not character Ben Affleck. Itself. Yeah, the character, not the right. actor. I like Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck is a really good actor. He's a really good writer. He's a really good director. He is trying his best, but um, he Batman in this movie is just not a good character. Part of the issue is we we know this from the trailers. The movie is basically Batman wants to take out Superman because of all of the collateral damage and all of the uh, accountability that Superman isn't able to uh, account for uh, based on on his fight with Zod and Man of Steel. The whole thing is is just um, you have too much power and you're hurting too many people with it and you don't care. Well, Batman's doing exactly the same thing. He has no grounds whatsoever for for trying to think he's better than Superman at all. It, he's he might actually be worse because his damage is so much more brutal than anything Superman did. At least with Superman, I can kind of buy the excuse of Zod is on his level, so he can't control it. Right. Batman just outright murders people. Um, his, his whole worldview is destroyed with that, um, and it's not even a matter of Batman shouldn't kill. I can make I can be made to believe Batman could kill in a situation. The problem is if you want a contrast to this Superman he shouldn't kill because it destroys his, his argument. And it, it really, the movie really feels like he doesn't understand that. Hmm. Yeah, that his, his, his performance was 
I liked. I actually didn't mind seeing Ben Affleck as Batman, and that was one of the things I was concerned about. But the character itself, I had that same feeling of being conflicted about who Batman is to me. And I didn't know if, like, as someone who maybe has read the comics or understands, like, that there's other storylines that maybe this movie is borrowing from that I'm not used to seeing, you know, in my culture, my mm-hmm. exposure yeah. to Batman. If this is something that's like, okay, this is like one of those things that happened in the comics where Batman v Superman happens. And so this is kind of how that went about. But I only found myself like really excited to see Batman uh, at one point in the movie when he was like the Batman that I know and love and that kind of happened later on. So I was conflicted about his character too. Well, he, he, here's the other thing for me with the the Batman character in this movie. He's kind of stupid. Like yeah. Batman yeah. is supposed to be this <laughs> super intelligent, you know, person. That's why he's able to to do these things. He studied so much. He's, you know, he's a physical specimen and he's a mental specimen as well. Mm-hmm. And in this, he is played by Lex Luthor so easily that when that when Lex Luthor has his moment where he's like, you know, I've been playing these guys, it's it's like, what you have? I like I didn't even it just didn't even occur to me that because he shouldn't be able to do that to Batman. In that way, shame and on you, Batman, Batman doesn't even think about it. You know, like he he just goes so over the top in in his fight with Superman and everything that I I don't understand him any more than he's just a, a chess piece. You know, yeah. Like there, there's a moment where in the movie he's literally just standing around waiting for something to happen. That's literally a scene in this movie that we cut to two or three times. <laughs> he's just standing and waiting. I think that's the scene that I laughed in, I like genuine <laughs> laughter, because well, you know, what's what's Bat gonna do in that moment? But we'll talk about that later. Um, one of my worst things was, and I don't know if it was because, so we went to go see this movie in an IMAX theater with laser technology. So this is the first time I've seen uh, the ability for um, vis- visuals be presented to me in pure color, pure black, pure white, all that stuff. So it was really fascinating to me. And there were uh, there was a example leading up into this movie of um, a movie coming out or a clip coming out that was released just for IMAX from the International Space Station Mm -hmm. where we got to see the Earth and space Space. and colors I've never seen before. You know, it was just like stars. The the blackness of of space was so deep and black. Yeah, yeah, it was incredible. And so I was like, oh my goodness, this movie is going to be so colorful because I'm seeing colors so clearly and crisply because we're watching this in laser. So I don't know if that played into my major dislike, but my major dislike of this movie was directorial decisions to film this in shades of yellow almost the entire movie. Mm -hmm. And I was so distracted by that because Amy Adams has red hair, but in this movie (laughs) she has brown hair. She has beautiful, (laughs) beautiful eyes. We don't see them. And so I think it just removed a lot of ability for there to be, and I, I know it's probably like this artistic decision, but... You can pull out dark aspects of a story while still not bathing everything in this sort of like weird yellow light. And I, I absolutely hated it. So, yeah, there's this de- there's this depressed tone that has been kind of the the area that they play in since the Dark Knight movies. And I get that. I get that, you know, there's a sense for wanting to kind of darken it or whatever. But I and again, it could just be a personal thing. Give me the colorful world of the Marvel movies. Like I mm. love the you know yeah. the beauty and the color, and I don't even just mean actual color. I mean the dialogue color. I mean the mm-hmm. you know just the the humor, the fun. The yeah. I mean, wh- since when did you know watching superheroes not be allowed to be fun? You know, like it. I don't know. It's just I feel myself echoing the you know the joker and saying why so serious you know like <laughs> yeah can, can we can we lighten up just a little bit and i felt that here as well uh, there a lot a- of what i've read people here saying is that um it's very sad that the best superman movies we've gotten lately are captain america the winter soldier and first avenger <laughs> yeah uh, i wanted to answer the question in chat real quick the movie theater that we went to that has the laser imax is in branson missouri yeah and uh, imax laser there are, i think 3 of them right now uh, in the country uh, that project with that new technology. It's two laser 4K projectors that work together to uh, create the incredible contrast in, in color ratio and that kind of stuff. There are a few in like science museums, but they mostly show just like the sciencey movies. There are three commercial um, uh, places that have them to show like, you know, first run movies. So 
every once in a while they'll have one. I think the next one scheduled is the Jungle Book's going to come out in IMAX Laser. So let's move on to the things that we liked about this movie. Did you have any? I did. <laughs> I did. Well, why don't you start then? Um, I think I kind of want to quickly mention two things. One is I actually like the costuming of this movie. Uh, specifically, there's a female character in this movie that, because I don't watch any previews, mm-hmm. I have like I don't watch anything before going in. I didn't realize that there was a certain female character that was going to even show up in this movie. You know, there have been a couple times already here where I'm not sure what is a spoiler and what isn't with this movie. So I yeah. do apologize if I've spoiled anything for anyone, mm-hmm. uh, especially in in that regard. But yes, I know I know what you're saying. Um, so her costuming, like they're a good cost. I like the, the costuming throughout the whole movie, but like specifically the way that they dressed this female character, I was like really impressed with, and it totally made sense later on. Like they just they had these really, really good choices in how they presented her. So that was one of the things I wanted to mention. But I, my main like of this movie is that every time you see a Batman movie, you see the whole little Bruce Wayne and the parents being killed, you know? And that is something that you just you've seen so many times. So um, seeing that presented in this movie, I thought it was the one of the best ways, if not the best way I've ever seen it kind of put together. It was really artistic and really beautiful. And there were also some other scenes in this movie that I thought were really interesting, uh, too. But that one specifically will stand out to me. Um, They kind of uh, they kind of poo-pooed on it a little bit for me like later on in the movie but there's just I don't know I don't know how to describe it because I don't want to give it away like how, <laughs> how they shot it but if you decide to go see this movie um, and I want, I'm curious what you guys would think about it because I just thought it was really beautifully shot what about you Stevie you find anything in this that you could praise um there's one line Affleck has um, in regards to his parents, his father specifically, that I really like and I've never heard Batman talk about. And I thought that was interesting. And that was one of the most somber moments he's had in the whole movie. Um, but more than just one line, I do like Jeremy Irons in this. I think he's fantastic. Uh, he's really passive aggressive and sarcastic towards Bruce. I think that's a lot of fun. He plays Alfred, um, right? Yeah, he's Alfred. Okay. He's, he's really good. He looks like he's off the page, um, but he's also got a lot of the more modern ticks yeah. of him being more hands-on um i thought he was great i think he was the best part of the movie i don't understand why he's on superman's side for any reason whatsoever but mm. he's written well other side aside from that i think that they wrote him as a uh, batman's conscious conscience yeah like you Potentially. know because when batman you know has to make decisions you know i that's one of the first things i mentioned when i walked out of the theater was i wonder if we're supposed to believe that alfred was just you know a really positive influence on batman that was one of the reasons he was able to make but see some switches in his but see again that goes back to what i'm saying about this character like batman should be able to figure that stuff out for himself the stuff that alfred is saying isn't earth-shattering ground-breaking moral stuff it's stuff that batman should have in his back pocket like it's (laughs) you know i it's i just i just think that you know even speaks even more to uh you know kind of the mischaracterization of that character if we're looking at secondary characters i really liked lawrence fishburne as uh, Perry White. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was some of the dialogue that I felt. He's you know, over was, the Daily Planet, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of the dialogue that I felt was a, a little, you know, a little lighter than most of the movie that I enjoyed. Um, but I, I thought I enjoyed his performance if I'm picking out, you know, kind of one of the, the secondary performers. Uh, my main thing is the visual stuff. I will defend Zack Snyder's visual eye uh, even when he... So like how he shot certain scenes? Yeah, how he shoots stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, think he, I think he understands action better than Christopher Nolan does. Mm. You know, I look back at some of those Dark Knight movies and the way Nolan decides to shoot the action, and they're at times confusing, and he's not a great action director. But Zack Snyder is. He's just not a great story director. (laughs) And unfortunately, that's what really makes a movie work, is when you're invested in the story, uh, which is why you come out with, you know, such negative feelings in a movie like this. But if you're just going as like like a technical... You know, thing a technical experiment to look at some of this stuff. Uh, I thought there, there were some, some great scenes, some great shots, some mm-hmm. beautiful stuff. Um, I almost, I almost said like one of the last scenes. Don't do and, that. No, I'm not going to give it away. But there's some beautiful <laughs> stuff in this in these final moments of this movie that are like that is gorgeous. Um, and so I, I really think he gets that stuff. And I felt the exact same way about Man of Steel. I, I, I really feel like very similar to this movie of how I came out of feeling Man of Steel is like wow, that was you know visually uh you know impressive but what did it mean (laughs) (laughs) so i feel the same way 
same way in this. So should we end with the one more thing about this movie that we want to make sure that you know before you potentially go see it? And then, of course, if you want to know all of our nitty-gritty details, spoiler, check it out on our feed for Sif Pop. Yeah, subscribe to Sif Pop and you'll you'll get the spoiler cast there. And uh, then after you've seen the movie, you can kind of join us on that. Or you can just go get spoiled before you go to the movie. Whatever you want. (laughs) Totally up to do. Unlike Verizon, we let you choose how you live your life. Wow. Um, Shade. Throw in some shade. I'm sure... I'm sure Verizon cares. I'm sure that they're going to really <laughs> feel the, They're going to feel the pain of that they're one. They're listening and they're sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, not as sad as uh, Ben Affleck was in that sad Ben Affleck video that's going around. Oh, we should post that on our <laughs> oh. band. Oh, man. You can just see in his brain, like, I could have directed this thing a hundred times better. And I believe Especially he could have. after Daredevil. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, man, I totally lost. Oh, my one more thing. Uh, I'm going to go with the score. I loved this score. I thought it was beautiful um, and and very effective. That could have been the incredible sound system that I heard it on, which oh my was goodness. a brand new uh, IMAX, IMAX type sound. They, they put, just released like new a whole new sound technology. Yeah, they've got four speakers in the ceiling to better pinpoint where sound takes place in the room. It was awesome. It was <laughs> it was mind blowing. So I don't know if it was that. Or, or just that it really is an amazing score. But, man, I was really impressed with the music. Uh, Steve, what about you? What's your one more thing? Um, I guess my one more thing would be, if you haven't seen any of the trailers, then maybe go and watch this. But if you have, there is nothing in here that you haven't seen there. There's lots of stuff mm. where, like, there's the mystery of Batman's been around for 20 years, who's he dealt with, um, what's with the Joker, uh, you see Robin's costume, all that stuff sounds intriguing. None of it's in the movie. If if you know nothing about this universe aside from Man of Steel in this movie, you can't even actually discern that there was a Robin. There's just a costume that was vandalized that means nothing. Um, so if you're looking into this, um, trying to like figure out how much of a universe this is or like how lived in it is, it doesn't help you. Oh, wow. That's such an interesting perspective because as somebody who never watches trailers, I should have watched them before the show started because sometimes we'll do that. It's yeah. so interesting to see what they choose to reveal in the tra- in the trailers that we that I never actually see. So that's Aside a, that's from the really final scene, everything's in the trailers. Literally everything. Wow. I hate it when they do that. That's why I don't watch that's them. That's why we stopped watching trailers. I would say my one more thing is that you will need to empty your bladder before the movie starts. (laughs) This movie is long and it feels long. And if you complained about the multiple endings to Lord of the Rings, you will have a similar experience in this movie. Um, It just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. And you can definitely pick it apart. You can definitely find things you're not going to like about it. Uh, but definitely, you're going to be in that seat for a solid two hours and 33 minutes. It is a long time, and sometimes it feels that way, but it reminds don't me, forget that going in. <laughs> I, I'm just thinking about what you're talking about, and it reminds me, if you watch any like uh, reality shows like Survivor or The Amazing Race or kind of the competition reality shows, it reminds me of when a team or a person is in a challenge and they just can't figure it out. And this puzzle they're trying to put together takes forever, and they're trying to figure out all these pieces, and they just can't make it work. That's what this movie feels like at times. Like, it's so long, and it's trying to do so much, and it just can't make it all fit together, and it can't figure out who it wants to be. Before before we go on to our next segment, I did have another question. I've got so many notes, and we didn't get to any of those because we try to kind of keep it light here. But just a quick question for you guys. Uh, Aaron, I asked you this already. Um, you can totally expect in movies like this, there's going to be CG action. Mm-hmm. Steve, did you think that they did a good job with the CG, though, in this movie? I don't think so. I okay. think by the end, the final action sequence looks pretty atrocious. Okay. Um, like, it's it's just so blurred. Maybe part of it's just the theater. I didn't see it in IMAX, but yeah. like I, I thought it looked really bad. It looked like a cartoon. Interesting. Aaron, what did you think? I thought it looked great on the IMAX. Yeah, I did, too. I actually did, too. There's a couple. There's one particular uh, fight sequence um, where it's very clearly CG, but I thought that they did a pretty good job of it um, because it didn't seem to like last long enough for your eye to connect that it was super CG. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. I wonder if it does change a bit on the. Oh, um, I'm sure it does. I'm sure you know. There's that's one of the difficulties with doing visual effects in movies right now. Are there so many different ways people are going to be viewing it? Right. They're going to be viewing it on their home screen in you know. Uh, soon 4k probably and they're going to be viewing it on a dollar run theater you know six weeks after it's been out and these really 
horrible, you know, projectors that are blurry. And so it's, they're going to be viewing it big in IMAX and, you know, on smaller screens. So it's hard to really know what an audience's experience is going to be because it, it absolutely changes, I think, from thing to thing. I would ask, cool. I would ask one more thing uh, from Steve. Is there anything specifically as a fan of Batman in general in the comics as kind of our Batman expert? Our comic expert. Uh, that you would say, you know, like winks or nods or inside jokes that Danae and I would never have gotten, but you would. How much of that is there in this? Because I didn't, I wouldn't have noticed it. Uh, there's very little. Uh, the, a part of this movie, most of it's based on Dark Knight Returns. It doesn't use too much from that book, but um, the ending of this movie, the, this very spoiler ending that we're not going to mention, is actually um, very, very similar to what happens in that book. There's some stuff with Superman during the final fight that's from that book, and they actually pull a couple of lines directly from it. The scene that you guys were talking about earlier where um, Bruce Wayne's parents get shot, um, almost all of that is panel for panel from that book. Oh, even that, so some of the director's choices were actually inspired from what was already been drawn by artists. Yeah, well, the interesting oh, thing interesting. though is that usually Bruce Wayne's parents and uh, the kid that plays Bruce Wayne are just kind of non sequitur; they don't really matter. Right. Um, but Zack Snyder very consciously picked actors that look exactly like how Frank Miller drew them in that book. Oh, that's so fascinating. I maybe this is part of why I just loved that scene. I mean, it's it's horrible watching anybody get murdered. That's never really great. But like how it's shot. It's just so much more powerful than any other presentation that I've seen so far. Well, and again, I would say it's a testament to the fact that Zack Snyder does know how to make things look cool. But like, if he borrowed a lot from the comics, he clearly had some good source. Well, and he, you know? but yeah. he always has. I mean, yeah, you know, true. look at the 300 or, or whatever. I mean, he, he gets that graphic novelization of the movie screen, yeah. you know? And so uh, I, think that's, I think that's to his benefit. Um, and I think other directors will benefit from looking more creatively at how they they can frame things like, you know, comics have framed things for a while. So uh, I think that's absolutely solid stuff. All right. Well, we already did our one more things, didn't we? And we, then we did. And then we kept talking. Because it was just so interesting. <laughs> that's what we do. <laughs> we'll talk more in our spoiler episode here in just a little bit. But first, let's just take a moment yeah. and thank our Patreon supporters this show happens because of our fans. We're actually a fan-funded podcast and a fan-funded show. So we record with a live audience here on Mixler, and then we cut it and make it into a podcast, and all that happens with the financial support of our Patreon fans. So if you would like to support us at a buck, two bucks, or three bucks a month, that'd be awesome. Head to the website, patreon.com slash Aaron and Danae. Another thing you can do to connect with us is connect with us in Band. This is our social media app that we use. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we do those things. But if you really want to connect with what we do, find yourself a profile in band and join the Aaron and Danae band. We really feel like it offers a much more intimate way to stay connected with you. We're in chat all the time. Plus you can be anonymous. Yeah, you don't you can, have to like have a profile set up. Yeah, yeah. It can be an anonymous profile, all that kind of stuff. And we do fun little giveaways in there and some fun stuff. It's our main form of communication it for is, sure. It is our main form of communication with our fans. So if you like the show and you want to go a little bit deeper with who we are and what we do, that's probably a good place to do it. And finally today, huge thanks to the IMAX in Branson uh, for inviting us out to the premiere on, on, I'm sorry, on Wednesday for Batman v Superman in the laser tech with our brand new um, theater. It's gorgeous theater, brand new seats. If you get the premiere seating, they recline. Uh, and then seeing anything in laser is just fantastic. So if you're ever in the Southwest Missouri area and you guys are in Branson, please take a moment and go see something at the theater because it's it's pretty pretty incredible for them to move from film into laser yeah which must have been a little bit emotional we actually saw their presentation before oh, it got it was, started and yeah. it was pretty cool you know to think about stepping away from having physical film and moving into the you know digital age that was their very first movie they ever showed in uh, in yeah. laser there in branson they invited us out to the premiere so um that was very kind and we had a great time so we highly recommend it and we're going to try to see more movies uh in that laser tech for you guys as the show continues for sift pop so that you can kind of know maybe some things that wouldn't show up in normal film and if, if you're wondering where the other two are there's one in Los Angeles, Los Angeles yeah. and then there's one on the East Coast, too, but it's not New York. It's actually more in like the Connecticut area. I can't remember Connecticut or Pennsylvania, somewhere in that range. Uh, but yes, thank you very much for inviting us out to that. All right. On to our second pop culture topic of 
this episode of Sif Pop. We're going to stick in the superhero realm. Uh, Steve, I know that you watch a lot of superhero TV, so we're going to talk a little bit about the the superhero television shows that are out, both from Marvel and DC. And my goodness, are there a lot of them now. Uh, And I guess that's how I would start. How many of them do you watch and which ones? I'll start with Danae because this will be quick. Uh, um, let's see how many none <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen an episode of any of them Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. no, uh, no. Supergirl oh, oh. no I did watch um, oh what's Captain America's girl Peggy Agent Carter. Carter Agent Carter I watched Agent Carter all the way through so I watched that entire you know first season or both seasons I didn't even know there was second season, second season so apparently happened. just the yes. first and then I did watch the first episode of Jessica Jones Okay. So that's pretty much all I've done. Maybe I just want to see girl-female characters. I don't know. I have no (laughs) idea. It's quite possible. (laughs) But Uh, they're very different. You were excited about Supergirl, but you never checked that out. I did see see part of the first episode, and I I wasn't connecting. And I have this horrible thing of making judgment calls and then just being like, meh, I'm done. You're what's what's known as normal. (laughs) That's how normal people interact (laughs) with television. If they don't like something immediately, is they're this, out. Is this the first time I've ever been normal? Wow. Us so abnormal great. people, we stick with it even when we don't like it. Uh, qu- <laughs> the question in the chat, did I think Agent Carter was good? I actually really loved it. I, I did too, I think yeah. the reason that I liked it so much is um, that I it, it was taking us into that kind of world where, um, you know, like straight after the movie, kind of being able to follow her character and see more about what she was doing and, you know, kicking some butt and going I up against the man and changing culture and just I was so really you know, into it. I think season two is as good as season one. I think I think it's still really good. So you might want to I check agree. that out. And I think that and maybe something that we'll kinda of get more into, I felt like they did a really good job of having their own storyline while also being able to connect into the greater stories that we see in, in movies. So yeah. I was able to kind of go, Ooh, I recognize that because I saw the movie, but also I didn't feel left out because they were creating their own experience. Exactly. And you have to do that in any kind of a medium to keep your own audience because not everybody is going to have, you know, the vast knowledge of comic history and movie history and TV history. So we I want to get into the conversation of how Marvel and DC kind of differ in how in their approach to that here eventually. But Steve, first, which ones are you watching? Um, Well, if you count. Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, the Netflix stuff, Jessica Jones. There's about 14 shows on right now, and I watch 12 of them. Wow. Uh, so everything except Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead, because that's just not my thing. Me either. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm watching everything across the spectrum, all Marvel, all DC. Preacher hasn't come out yet, but I'll be watching that when that starts. Um, but as far as, like, what's good and what's bad, iZombie's incredible. Supergirl's incredible. Um, Lucifer is okay. And oh. everything else, I think, verges from bad to awful. I don't want to count the Netflix and Agent Carter stuff just because I think those are masterpieces far above anything on TV. Oh. Um, but just on regular broadcast TV like Gotham and The Flash and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I hate and Gotham. I forgot that about stuff. that one. I am watching Gotham. Are you still watching Gotham's it? On. <sighs> because Gotham's my husband atrocious. wants to and he wants to watch it together and so I begrudgingly do. <laughs> but I, I admit that I play Nebulous or Clash of Clans or something while I'm watching it because I just can't handle it. I think uh, it's awful. I'm wondering. I have the entire second season so far still hanging out on my DVR. Of what? Of Gotham. Oh. I haven't started it because uh, I'm watching so many other things on TV and I'm wondering so now bad. if I ever will. Everybody's Don't. saying it's so bad there's it's no so reason bad. to even invest in it. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's not. If you liked season one, season two takes all the wrong twists and turns and makes it awful. If you didn't like season one, season two is even worse. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. It's like it's like someone saying just don't go to the buffet and you do and then you're like, should I go get seconds and because I already paid $14 for this? <laughs> And, and your stomach's like, don't, don't do it. But then you, if you do, it's your own fault, man. It is your own fault that you're in the bathroom paying the consequences for what you've done. Well, let's just let's just put it this way. It'll be the last thing I catch up on. <laughs> and so it probably will never happen. Uh, I could rip on that show for hours. Yeah? How, do you want to know one of the things I really We don't have hours, but go ahead. Do something. It seems like they're just trying to do really gross death things just for the shock value because it's like all they have left. It's like, yep. well, let's just be dark and shocking. Hmm. Like, there's this. But one, that was part of the first season too. It was, but it even takes. It's going in a totally weird way too. And what I don't like about it, what what really makes me mad is I love Batman and I love Gotham and I love that like that whole entire storyline. Is the little kid growing up? Is the little, little kid Batman kid growing up? Is he? 
Hmm? Is Batman growing up in the show? Oh, in the second like, season? as a little kid growing up, that's oh, no, what no, no. I loved, and oh, they're I... ruining it in my adult life. Yeah, and just, if I could, if I could kill a show right now, it'd be Gotham for sure. <laughs> in a, in as gross a way as, as they've been and killing yes, characters, the kid is growing up because that's what children do. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and they age faster than they're supposed to on shows. Usually, it's weird, so, right? Yeah. It's like, wait a second, you just grew seven feet. <laughs> what happened to you? Anyway, anyway. So uh, let oh, me. Oh, oh, oh! Hey, Steve, if you could kill one show, which one would you kill? Uh, Legends of Tomorrow. I think that show is a monstrosity. Even worse than Gotham? It's worse than Gotham. It's the worst thing I'm watching right now. What? It is an absolute chore. What is it? It's a DC. Um, yeah, it's a DC thing. It's a spinoff of both Arrow and The Flash, where they just take all the side characters, put them on a team, and make them do time travel adventures that make absolutely no sense. Like time travel <laughs> to save libraries in the past or something like that? Or <laughs> they're, they're trying to stop an evil character named Vandal Savage, and if you watch The Flash and Arrow, they could have killed him ten times over, but the, the characters are so stupid they're not noticing how time travel works. Oh, love that. Okay. Yep, it's it's atrocious. What about you, Erin? Which one would you like uh, take out? I I don't. I guess I would say Gotham. Yeah. Um, but I haven't watched the second season. Two so, for Gotham. So so <laughs> technically, I already did kill Gotham. <laughs> yeah. I already did take it out. Uh, I I when we talk about the lower class, you know, television, I I do think there are two tiers. Like you kind of separate them, uh, Steve. By the way, the ones I watch are uh, Agents of Shield, Flash, Supergirl, uh, the Netflix stuff. Uh, so Daredevil, Jessica Jones. Although I haven't, I haven't gotten through Jessica Jones yet. Uh, and um, in Gotham, I used to watch uh, Gotham. So I think that's that's my list. Uh, I kind of have a soft spot for Agents of Shield because I think it was the first, and I've really enjoyed the way it's tied into the Marvel movies. I think I stick through some pretty horrendous television making because I like the bigger picture. Does that make sense? Yeah. I can see that. So, so I like, I like Coulson. I love Agent Coulson. I love the fact that Marvel takes, and maybe we'll transition in here into this. I love the fact that Marvel takes actual characters from the movies, same actors mm-hmm. and actresses, and then uses them in its television universe. I think that there's something really powerful about that. It it gives it the sense of connectivity that, that for whatever reason, really works for me. And so when you know uh, Winter Soldier came out, there was stuff going on in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show right. that was directly impacted by that and still continues to impact the show. So, I love those um, like pics that will kind of show up and pop up in my feeds from time to time and it'll tell you like which shows and which movies are happening on a timeline. So if you really wanted to actually timeline it up for some of the stuff, you could do it. Yeah. I love that. And then, and then the Flash is the other one that I actually kind of have you know guilty pleasure with. Um, I think it's just because I like uh, that guy, the actor Flash. that plays the Flash. Um, I know I just, it's the wrong Flash, but yes, that's fine. Can't You're help okay. It. <laughs> uh, I think I, I kind of like him, and so I think he makes it work for me. And Supergirl's good. I really enjoy watching Supergirl. I should give Supergirl another chance. How's Calista Flockhart doing in that? She's great. I love her. I think she's great in it. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, I love Supergirl. I think Supergirl is really good. It's a lot of fun. Um, and it's it's a, a fantastic contrast when you watch stuff like Arrow that's just overly serious and wishes it was Batman. Um, I, I forget the actress's name, but the girl that plays Supergirl is incredible. She's Melissa absolutely Benoit. infectious. Yes. Uh, she was in Whiplash as well. Um, she has a smile that if you don't smile looking at her smile, then you're not human. That's <laughs> <laughs> her Like, she's just the most adorable person absolutely. I've ever seen on screen. And I felt the same way when she was in Glee. And I, I know yeah. not a lot of people, you know, watch Glee, but when she came on in one of the last couple seasons, I was like, yeah, she's going to be something beyond this show because she does has she has that screen presence and that charisma. Uh, and I think she's perfectly cast for Supergirl, too. So look at that smile. I have Googled her. <laughs> we have lost Danae to the Melissa Benoit Googling. Check out those pearly whites. Danae is oogling the Googling. I don't have teeth like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> so how do we feel about the different ways that DC has handled things? Because, you know, um, I'm you know I'm trying to think of, uh, you know, the DC crossover. And maybe it's just the fact that they're late to the party and kind of doing the, you know, the multiverse kind of thing. Or not multiverse, but the, you know, multi-universe thing. Um, but well, they call I, it the multiverse, so you're right. Do they? So I yeah. just I just feel like Marvel has such a better handle on that than DC does. Am I right or wrong about that, Steve? What do you think? Um, 
It's a little bit of both, because the thing with Marvel is, if you look at um, any of the interviews for any of the film writers, um, like recently there was uh, Marcus McFeely had an interview for Captain America Civil War, and they were asked, um, what do you think of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? And neither one of them has seen anything past the first season. Um, Joss Whedon has said the same thing when he made Avengers Age of Ultron. The Marvel film universe and their writers don't care whatsoever what's going on on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And right. so it makes that that show very difficult to, to try and tie in. It's, a, it's kind of like the kid that wants to be at the cool table and just can never make it. Um, mm-hmm. But if you just look at it as one big universe, you can see it working. It never directly contradicts anything. Conversely, you got DC and Marvel where, or you got DC where um, everything they do is separate and they want to try in a really big DC universe through television and a really big DC universe through film. Um, ultimately, some of that might converge because they're doing the interdimensional stuff with Flash right now. Um, but I, I ultimately think that's smarter for them because DC's founded on a multiverse. DC's always had characters that existed separately before they existed together. Uh, so it works for them before it works for Marvel. Hmm. So why do we like Marvel more than DC? Why do you um, personally? Yeah. Uh, you tell us. I don't know. I, I guess they seem more organized. I, or I think they that's the big like thing is that Marvel understands them. Yeah. Like maybe they had better planning or something. I don't know. Well, DC's got a history of this too, right? Like DC's made and had a George Miller Justice League movie with a script, an entire cast, everything into production, and then they axed it. Um, they're really, really bad about thinking long term. The reception for Batman versus Superman is going to hurt a lot of their long term plans, whether or not there's films in production. They're mm. just not an organized company. They need to use some technology to better organize. There's a way for you to have plans by linking up your calendars (laughs) having meetings book your meeting room google's great with this stuff they should probably have someone come in and be like let's all talk well they're obviously (laughs) trying to do stuff with justice league and and those kind of things and i actually felt like that was a little bit squished into the you know batman versus uh, versus superman movie like the a lot of that you know justice league setup stuff to me felt totally um apart from the movie like you could have left it out and the movie is you know, still stands completely the same yeah. you know it's just obviously in there to <laughs> let's just be honest going back to batman v superman they could have done that throughout the entire they could have cut out a lot from that movie and it would have still stood <laughs> yeah. Sorry, and there's like, a half an hour longer director's cut i can't imagine i can't imagine more i heard that i was like what what if what if it actually made it all make sense it's what possible if, what if the half hour stuff yeah, they maybe. cut what if the know. half hour stuff they cut out was the stuff that made the story work and uh, <laughs> just made a big awful mistake and cut the wrong stuff out. It's funny to think. Ben Affleck's got Daredevil all over again. A oh, theatrical no. cut that doesn't work and a director's cut that does. Yeah, there you go. Poor guy. <laughs> yeah. And somehow we think we could have done it better. <laughs> <laughs> he could have done it better. That's what I don't understand. Like I get, you know, going and playing Batman in a big movie, but Aaron, make him make him let you direct it. There is Kick no that Zack Snyder guy to the curb. There is no world where Ben Affleck's gonna walk up to Snyder and be like just give me the camera. That's <laughs> <laughs> not going to I mean, look at how big it is. Could Snyder actually stop him, though? What if he did it in the suit? That's right. <laughs> give me the camera. <laughs> I think it's a perfect idea. Uh, Anything else we want to touch on in the uh, TV universes for either Marvel or DC? Any other thoughts uh, that you have, Steve? Um, just that... If anyone's not watching iZombie, they really need to. It's not part of the, the the whole DC TV universe, but it's easily the best thing that they're putting on television. Okay. Yeah, I actually haven't watched that, so uh, that's, that's a good heads up. And speaking of giving a good heads up, that's how we like to finish every episode of Sif Pop. Oh, it's almost time to go. So we want to give you a little bit of buried treasure, something from the pop culture universe, any place uh, that any we want to highlight for you that you might want to check out. Could be a movie. Could be a book. Could be a comic. Could be a dep- We don't know. Mm-hmm. Could be anything. Uh, minus TV show. I'll go first this time. Um, if you want something to laugh at, half hour long, regular TV sitcom, uh, I do not think enough people are watching Grinder. The Grinder is so funny. I and heard that. If if you if you just watch like a you know uh, an ad for it or something, you may think, oh, just another typical, you know, TV sitcom. But the writing is so clever and so smart. Rob Lowe is so perfect as this character. And to see Fred Savage back on television and playing this guy, he's perfect for his role. I just, it is, in a world where I used to, you know, really look forward to Modern Family and Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which Modern Family is eh, still okay. 
Uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is still pretty funny. And New Girl. New Girl, by the way, is still really hilarious, too. But I'm kind of thinking The Grinder may be my funniest show on TV right now. I would have never thought that. For no. some reason, I kind of thought that it was going to be a poo-poo. Yeah. You know, like a, uh, whatever. No, it's but really good. What, I look forward to it. It is the first, when it pops up in my DVR, I'm right to it. It's my fr- the first thing I watch. So, because I really enjoy it. Cool. I really enjoy it. What about you, Danae? Uh, I'm going to go with another app. Of course. Huge surprise. <laughs> um, so, I, f- I saw this app called Little Things, in, and I decided to try it out. The icon on it is an owl. And basically, this is one of those games where you're trying to find, like a seek and find kind of game. They give you a oh, list like of things I spy. to find. Yeah. Yeah. But it's really interesting how they do it. It's it's a cleaner looking um if you like the seek and find games or even if you have like young kids or you've got you know somebody that you're going to give your phone to or your mm-hmm. tablet to to play yeah. with it's kind of a fun game uh, I think that they've made it unique which is kind of nice to see in these kinds of games because they usually are pretty basic um, my one downside to it is that they have a lot of ads and there's not like a paid version where you can get rid of the ads which annoys me um, but I I kind of like it and I think that maybe if you like that kind of thing you could too check it out because it's, it's different it's just a different way uh the pieces are arranged really uniquely i don't know why an app wouldn't have a paid version without ads i don't either it seems like yeah. money just waiting it's, for them to grab like you are really wanting to give them money and they're not giving you an opportunity and to in do this it. case you really want to get rid of the ads um because as soon as the as soon as you found your pieces they play an, an ad for almost every single time you finish up another level oh. which oh. can get annoying and so i don't i don't don't want to get rid of it just yet because every once in a while I just want something mindless to do and being like find all the hearts is very <laughs> exciting for me for some reason. <laughs> so anyways, it's called Where's little things. The pencil? Little things forever is the title of it. When you open it up, I, my my icon just says little things and <laughs> little things I know, forever. It's so lame it's and like, cheesy. It's sounding. like something somebody would write on their book in you know in grade school. I feel like you maybe know? I should write them and be like, I have little a few ideas forever. for you. <laughs> Maybe you should try these for Enough your marketing. Of big things. <laughs> Down with big things. Little, Little things, things forever. forever. <laughs> oh goodness, Steve. What about you? Um, I'm not sure how buried this actually is, uh, but there's a YouTube channel that I've been loving and loving lately. Um, it's probably the best thing I've I've seen on the internet. Um, it's called the Nerd Writer, where this guy basically makes anywhere between five to eight minute videos that deeply analyze something in pop culture. Like he's got this this thing, on a breakdown of how E.E. E. Cummings writes poems, um, themes in movies like In Bruges, uh, what nothing actually means when you're watching an episode of Seinfeld, uh, how the music of Lord of the Rings works. Um, it's it's absolutely brilliant stuff. Uh, Aaron, I, I think you'd love his video on Inside Out and Emotional Theory. Oh, yeah. Um, it's he's he's a genius genius uh, YouTuber and he's got some of the most insightful videos I've ever seen. At only seven minutes, he does more things than I could do in half an hour. Cool, it's, it's fantastic. He's called Nerd Writer. Yeah, Nerd Writer. Awesome. Is that writer with a T or writer with a D? Writer with a T. Okay, oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> you, you Nerd a- Writer. Is a little no, smarter. The, the new the the Nerd Writer channel is is just where you know somebody goes and plays horsey. You know, with somebody who's really into <laughs> no, put him on a motorcycle. It's even better. <laughs> no, that is better. That is better. <laughs> put the nerd on a motorcycle. Taped, taped glasses in a Harley. That's <laughs> yes. what nerd rider is. <laughs> taped glasses in a Harley. Oh uh, well, Steve, thanks so much for hanging out with us for today's episode of Sift Pop. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. We also want to invite you to be sure to uh, follow our podcast. You can go to iTunes or Stitcher and uh, subscribe to Sift Pop. Also, please leave comments and feedback on iTunes. It really helps people find our show. And if you're listening on Mixler, make sure you subscribe there, too. That way you can get push notifications when we go live. Uh, Also, uh, much love and gratitude to our Patreon supporters for giving monthly to make this show and others on the Shoe the Dough Network possible. Support starts at a dollar a month and comes with some really fun perks. You can find out more about that at patreon.com slash Aaron and Danae. A huge thanks again to today's guru, Steve Baxey. Yes. And to Caleb for helping us with uh, part of producing part of our show today. Yes, if Pop is uh, produced in part by uh, Caleb... (laughs) Kill a bun. Hey, Steve, is there anything that you wanted to plug yeah, today? Yeah, plug something. Uh, just uh, work on Geekvolution um, YouTube channel. And I just recently, about a month ago, did a video on Daredevil and aesthetics that I, I think is really interesting if people want to check that out. And That's at YouTube? Yep, it's on YouTube. And if you've got a chunk of time, 
to see how the Avengers has everything to do with Nietzsche. There's a video <laughs> that Steve can point you to wow. that he did that's impressive. Two-hour video, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, not kidding. It really is two hours. So you can either watch Avengers or watch Steve's video. <laughs> One of the two. Uh, that's funny. Maybe both. Uh, yeah, that's absolutely good stuff. We love having you on, man. We really appreciate it. Also, if you know of a podcast or have a podcast idea that you'd like to see on the network, let us know. All feedback is welcome at Danae at gmail.com. Here's the final question of the podcast before we go. Okay. If there actually was a Batman and a Superman, who would win if they fought? Steve, you're first. Uh, Superman. Danae. Uh, Superman. I say Superman because the answer is Superman, guys. <laughs> there is no other answer. Batman only wins if he cheats. That's the only That's way the it point. works. That's right. Is, Krypt- is Kryptonite considered cheating? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Just want to make sure. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.